0: everything is being affected by technology. There hasn't been such rapid and significant change since the Industrial Revolution. Now everything is up for grabs, and the future has never been harder to predict. The worst thing you can do is take how something is now and assume it's going to be like that forever. To survive, you need to adapt. And to thrive, you need to pioneer new ways of thinking and doing. This is the podcast that talks to people that think staying still is the most dangerous thing you can do. I'm Tommy McCubbin advertising creative director, startup founder, dad, and podcaster. And this is Future Sandwich, the podcast that has a sandwich with people that are making the future happen today. Welcome to episode one, the driverless car race, where we spend an afternoon with the people making the most progress toward a driverless car, Tesla, and take their Model S for a drive and see how close they are to creating a fully automated vehicle. In terms of full autonomy, we've said it's about
1: two years away for us, Um, and Elon's on the record as as saying that. We've now proven that you can get efficiency and effectiveness out of an electric vehicle um, to the point where we could probably take this Lamborghini right in front of us.
0: (laughs) Tesla aren't the only players in the race toward driverless cars. Meanwhile, over at Google, there's something even more ambitious happening.
2: I think Google's got it wrong, and I think uh, Tesla's got it right.
0: And we talk with Nick Hodges about how their approach may be too ambitious, and talk about what else there is to benefit from driving a car that drinks electrons instead of petrol. And hear why Google thinks you, yes you, are the problem that needs to be solved to take the road toll to zero.
3: For the last 130 years, we've been working around that least reliable part of the car of the driver.
0: And we join author Steve Sammartino for a sandwich, and talk about some good things and bad things that could stop the progress of driverless cars dead
4: in their tracks. If the driverless car needs to make a choice between killing an old man or a child, what happens? The God algorithm.
0: Welcome to Future Sandwich, Episode 1, The Driverless Car Race.
3: Things are looking good for billionaire electric car maker Elon Musk. Earnings are up, so is the stock. Electric cars are potentially big business, and other companies, guess what they want in too?
0: Elon Musk. He's labelled as the real Tony Stark. I remember seeing him talk at South by Southwest several years ago and was blown away by his audacity then. His ambitions have been upsized ever since, and in my opinion, nobody thinks bigger than Elon. I could do a whole episode on this guy. Here's the short of his career thus far. He founded PayPal in 1999 and sold his 11% stake to eBay in 2002 for $165 million. Then, he conceptualized what he calls Mars Oasis, a project to land a miniature greenhouse on Mars containing food crops. After the Russians and NASA weren't interested, he decided to get on with it himself and start his own company called SpaceX. That has since successfully launched and landed reusable rockets and has a contract to supply the International Space Station with food. His goal is to reduce the cost of human spaceflight by a factor of 10. And in a 2011 interview, he said he hopes to send humans to Mars' surface within 10 to 20 years. Then there's Hyperloop. This also warrants an entire Future Sandwich episode.
2: For those that aren't aware, the basic thought is, um, is is there a better way to travel quickly from, uh, say, downtown LA to downtown San Francisco, or LA to San Francisco, uh, that's better than the high-speed rail that's being proposed? It's just cost me a Concord, a rail gun, and an air hockey table.
0: So the best way I've heard this be described is, remember those shoots at supermarkets the checkout people would put cash-filled capsules in? Imagine a massive version of that tube, and you, the passenger, is the bag of cash. It's fully powered by the sun. It's incredible. If you reckon you could make it happen, Elon is willing to give the idea away. He's openly said his plate is way too full to make it happen at the speed he wants to. But on his plate, there's still enough room to found and run a company called SolarCity, America's number two solar panel supplier. He recently signed off a solar panel production facility that would triple the size of the largest solar plant in the United States. To complement that, he owns Tesla, the world's most advanced electric car and battery company. This company has supercharged progress towards a world without petrol-powered cars. I got down to the Richmond showroom in Melbourne and took the most powerful car in the Tesla range for a spin.
1: So I'll probably be asking you more questions than uh, the other way around. (laughs) Have you seen a Model S before? No, uh, not not apart from on the street. Okay. So this is the p 90 P90D, two motors in the vehicle, one at the front, one at the rear. Uh, this is the key, a miniature version of the Model S, three hidden buttons on it, front, middle, rear, and a double click of any of those does exactly what you think. Opens up, well, in this case, the frunk. So as much if not more stories in an SUV, but in a sports sedan, and not only a sports sedan, but the fastest accelerating four-door sedan ever built. We'll go for a drive and I can showcase uh, some of the tech for you. You can ask me some questions along the way.
0: So immediately, you're struck by that.
1: The 17-inch touchscreen, yeah. So we've got three screens across the front, and this is a whole new interface. With the release of 7.0, all our owners in Australia got a brand-new look and feel in their vehicle. So uh, extremely cool that the next day you wake up, just like your iPhone or a smartphone, you're getting a whole new interface.
0: And for Tesla, how far away is full autonomy in their car range? So at the moment, autopilot's
1: very similar to what you would get in an aircraft in terms of the pilot can use the features when the situation is perfect or um, perfect for for the technology. And in this case, it's very good for stop start traffic or long distance travel. In terms of full autonomy, we've said it's about two years away for us, um, and Elon's on the record as as saying that, which is exciting, but we don't have all the hardware in this vehicle to be able to do full autonomy.
0: And as far as infrastructure goes, how's Australia setting itself up for this?
1: Unlike other car companies, we're not waiting for the chicken or the egg. Uh, We're actually doing both at the same time. So we've now put in a supercharger network uh, that joins Melbourne and Sydney, and uh, we're putting in destination charging and why we're concentrating on long distance travel and locations where you're stopping off for a long time is because 90 to 95 percent of your charging is done at home so infrastructure is a bit of a fallacy you don't really need a lot for your daily use of your electric vehicle especially when you've got 500 kilometers at your disposal so what we concentrate on is free long distance travel for our owners so now someone can drive a Model less from melbourne to sydney at no cost And then they've also got the ability to then stop off at a hotel, shopping centers, secure parking locations, and actually uh, utilize our destination charging. And we've got over 50 of those Australia-wide now.
0: So we're about to um, enter the freeway. And if you just want to put your head back,
1: and you can experience ludicrous mode.
0: Whoa. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. How bizarre without all the cues that you used to in an yeah. engine. Yeah, and all
1: I had to do was put my foot down. A bit. Wow, and it's just instant. <laughs>
0: you really do and need to put your boring. head back. Yeah, <laughs> it's
1: like wow. only your own roller coaster. Yeah, totally. Yeah.
0: Um, so, I mean, that acceleration is phenomenal. How does that stack up against?
1: Um, it's the fastest exhilarating four-door sedan ever built yeah. um, and we beat ourselves right. to get there so um, it's zero to 103 seconds um, and there's not too many supercars that can no. do that and Motor Trend recently reviewed the car and they got zero to 60 miles per hour in 2.6 so we don't under uh, I'm sorry overstate our vehicle's performance if anything we understate right
0: and this car we're at the moment what's it coming in at
1: this one is uh, at the top of the range, so you're uh, looking at 260 plus. Um, so this is P90D with ludicrous mode. We've given you the, the cream of the crop, so to speak. Fantastic. Um, but the, the cars start at um,
0: 120 on road in Victoria, New South Wales. So on the freeway, we got a chance to experience how it would feel to be driven by a driverless car. And now if we're driving along here, you can see the little
1: steering wheel's popped up here. That means autopilot's ready. So I just do a double click. That sets my adaptive cruise control. And now the car is steering itself within its lane. We recommend that you keep your hands on the steering wheel at all times. But I'll actually change lanes as well. And the car checks all areas and actually change lanes for me. And you'll notice that the, uh, the cars that come up on the screen, um, I call it utopia, but it's every other car appears as a Model S. So uh, hopefully
0: one day. So back to Elon, the man behind the vision. What is it like to work for a company that is led by a true visionary?
1: So I I guess the biggest insight is just having a look at what the mission is of the company because Elon's built the mission around the the company and there's no other company that I've ever worked for that everyone turns up in the morning knowing exactly what the mission of the company is and does everything to work towards that one mission and that's to accelerate the transition to sustainable transport. So to accelerate the world's transition to sustainable transport is not an easy task. You've got millions of cars on the road across the globe, Um, but we know we're doing it for a a better reason and he then puts in elements like releasing patents um, and uh, also showcasing areas, but he also has great knowledge that it's not an easy task and to do it you actually have to produce something that compels people to want to do it and and through the what's in it for me mentality, and um, that comes from producing the best vehicle that's ever been produced and uh, we got evidence of that the other day when car sales announced this as car of the year overcoming a lot of great competitors in the marketplace Um, and I think that just highlights uh, that we've That's our first production car that's done that. Not our fifth, not our sixth. We haven't progressed over time. Our first full production car has uh, won some of the best motoring awards. Um, And I think it's testament to hard work, but also the demands that uh, are put in place and the direction given by by Elon. So this is one of the superchargers. This charges uh, half full in 20 minutes or a full charge in an hour. And essentially it's as simple as taking the stalk off, double-click on the little button there. As long as the car's unlocked, which it is, you just plug in and walk away. So that took us, what, five seconds? How long does it take you to fill up your car?
0: Yeah. <laughs> and so to get fully charged?
1: Well, in, in with a supercharger, it's an hour yeah. at home. How long does it take you to sleep? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that's essentially all it is. It's exactly like owning a mobile phone. You plug in when you get home. Yeah. Next morning, you've got the equivalent of a full tank of petrol. And I don't know about you. last time I filled up a tank of petrol in the morning, I didn't need to go and fill it up again by the end of the day. It just doesn't
0: happen. That's awesome. Heath, thank you for your time, mate. No that problem. really enjoyable. No worries at all. Driving the Model S was one of those first-time experiences that I will never forget. And it gave me a real insight to how electric cars will fit into our lives and on our roads. Seeing this car for sale and performing the way it does is a very real step toward Tesla's goal for sustainable transport. But in the race for the electric car and the driverless car beyond that, according to Google, there are bigger
3: problems to solve. So in 1885, Carl Benz invented the automobile. Later that year, he took it out for the first public test drive and, true story, crashed into a wall. For the last 130 years... We've been working around that least reliable part of the car, the driver.
0: This is Chris Urmson, director of Google's self-driving car program. Google have leapfrogged the fully electric vehicle revolution and are aiming for a world of driverless cars.
3: We've made the car stronger. We've added seat belts. We've added airbags. Over the last kind of decade, we've actually started trying to make the car smarter to fix that bug, the driver. And it's a big problem. 1.2 million people are killed on the world's roads every year. In America alone, 33,000 people are killed each year. To put that in perspective, that's the same as a 737 falling out of the sky every working day. It's kind of unbelievable. Traffic really is substantially worse than it was not very long ago. And all of this has a very human cost. So if you take the average commute time in America, which is about 50 minutes, you multiply that by the 120 million workers we have, That turns out to be about six billion minutes wasted in commuting every day. Now, conventional wisdom would say that we'll just take these driver assistance systems and we'll kind of push them and incrementally improve them, and over time, they'll turn into self-driving cars. Well, I'm here to tell you that's like me saying that if I work really hard at jumping, one day I'll be able to fly, right? We actually need to do something a little different. So back in 2013, We had the first test of a self-driving car where we kind of let regular people use it. Well, almost regular, there were 100 Googlers, but they weren't working on the project. And we gave them the car and we allowed them to use it in their daily lives. We started to look at what the people inside the car were doing. And this was eye-opening. Now, my favorite story is this gentleman who looks down at his phone and realizes that the battery's low. And so he turns around like this in the car and digs around in his backpack, pulls out his laptop, puts it on the seat, Goes in the back again, digs around, pulls out the charging cable for his phone, futzes around, puts it into the laptop, puts it into the phone. Sure enough, phone is charging. All the time, he's been doing 65 miles per hour down the freeway. Right? Unbelievable. So we thought about this, and we said, you know, and it's kind of obvious, right? The better the technology gets, the less reliable the driver's going to get. So by just making the cars incrementally smarter, we're probably not going to see the wins we really need. Now, as you can see, we've made some pretty exciting progress. And at this point, we're pretty convinced this technology is going to come to market. We do 3 million miles of testing in our simulators every single day. So you can imagine the experience our vehicles have. We are looking forward to having this technology on the road. And we think the right path is to go through this self-driving rather than driver assistance approach because the urgency is so large. You know, in the time I have given this talk today, 34 people have died on America's roads. How soon can we bring it out? Well, it's hard to say because it's a really complicated problem. But these are my two boys. My oldest son is 11. And that means in four and a half years, he's going to be able to get his driver's license. My team and I are committed to making sure that doesn't happen. (laughs) Thank you. You can find the link to Chris's
0: full TED Talk in the show notes. It's inspiring what Google are doing. Their approach highlights potentially serious issues with Tesla's iterative, update-by-update approach. But will it work?
2: I think Google's got it wrong, and I think uh, Tesla's got it right.
0: That's Nick Hodges, Head of Innovation at News Corp, Startup Advisor, and General Tech Tinkerer. Nick will feature in a future episode when we talk about how publishing is coping with the internet. But he can talk about any topic, really. So during our chat, we digress to this episode's topic of electric and driverless cars.
2: And you know, I talked before about the fact that technology companies are terrible at making content and arguably it's because technology ap- ap- companies are full of people who um, don't necessarily understand hu- other humans and they don't understand emotions and they don't understand sort of emotive responses to things um, and I think if you look at what Google's doing with the self-driving car, they're aiming for a day where they roll out this thing that just looks ridiculous but they're just gonna go, ta-da, here is a commercially available, self driving car and it looks like nothing you 've ever seen before, and it works like nothing you 've ever seen before and to to an engineer that 's a really great solution and they even got designers in to help design it so it must you know people are going to love it um, but to the ninety nine
0: glass.
2: same approach as glass yeah yeah great solution it 's amazing um, unfortunately the ninety nine point you nine five percent of people in the world that are not engineers um, that they respond emotionally, that they don't respond rationally. So the glass comes out and people go, I will punch you in the face if I see you wearing that again. And Google self-driving car, and, it's, and I think they're maybe they're getting feedback on this and learning about this because they seem to be taking a little bit slower, but if Google's self-driving car comes out looking the way it does right now and it magically works and I can buy it from a Google shop, they're not going to sell any because they don't understand the emotional response that people will have to it, which is, oh my god, that thing's weird, I don't like it. Tesla, on the other hand, Tesla just create an electric car and they keep on sending software updates over the air. And one day, somebody's going to be driving their Tesla car and they're going to get a software update or they'll get up in the morning and there will have been a software update and they'll get in their car and they'll start driving and they go, hang on, this is a self-driving car. <laughs> and the day before, it was not a self-driving car. It changed lanes on its own. It did adaptive cruise on its own. Um, it did emergency braking on its own. It, it it, it it knew exactly where it was going, and it optimised the the route on its own. You still had to sit in the sit in the driver's seat, and occasionally do something. And and on that day, it was a it was a it was a person driving car. And then the software update happened, and the last little thing that you had to do suddenly became automated by Tesla, and you're in a self-driving car. And that's why I think Tesla wins. Um, and I have a vested interest in this, so <laughs> I I hope they win. Um, but the yeah, what, what, one day everyone in a test is going to be like, they're going to own a self-driving car, and but they didn't buy a self-driving car, which is fascinating. So that's going to happen and that will have massive impact and that will happen in, you know, I keep on saying to people that by 2020 there will be uh, self-driving cars going down George Street or Burke Street, hopefully not Burke Street, more if you're in Melbourne, um, let's say Collins Street, uh, and you will be able to, you will have the opportunity to use one. Um, so I don't think that's a I, I don't think that's a far fetched thing to say that'll happen in 2020. The interesting thing that happens, not necessarily in 2020, but the network effects of the network effects of, of, of self driving and electric cars are so are so interesting and so huge that when self driving cars do happen and when electric cars do start to get traction, they're going to get traction a lot quicker than I think most people expect. So while we may have electric self driving cars relatively common and on the market in five years, the period between going from that to them being extremely common and perhaps the majority of cars on the road is probably more like just five to eight years. It's not the 20 or 30 years that people think. That presents a really interesting media yeah. idea, which is so, at the moment in, 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 in most uh, developed markets, the average time spent uh, in a car by an adult per day, is somewhere in the range of a hundred minutes, uh, which is which is just fascinating, because that is when you stop having to drive, you've just created a hundred minutes of, of of media time essentially. So what do we do with that? Um, you know, do we learn? It would be nice if we all learnt things. You know, do we go and edit Wikipedia? Um, more likely, do we you know watch you know reality television? or whatever reality television becomes, or, you know, what happens. So so, so the the idea of self-driving cars and and, and sort of when they become mainstream is really fascinating for all sorts of reasons, but I think one of the most underappreciated ones is they're really fascinating from a media point of view of what do you do with 100 minutes that you didn't used to have.
0: And why is that different to any other time that's been saved?
2: But there's not much that saves time. Technology is meant to save us time, and it never does. I've got this stupid electric watch, and it it doesn't save me time. It takes more time because it alerts me to stuff I don't need to know about. And and technology is very good at not saving us time, even though it promises to save us time. And I think the you know, the interesting thing about the self-driving car is perhaps this is one thing that does give us a bit of time back. Um, and You know, to to sort of quote Card, we should be careful to create the world we actually want to live in. So I I think it's worth thinking now about if we have all this added, if we we have this time, how do we spend it? You know, I'd like to, maybe if Tesla could build a piano into the Tesla, then that'd be nice. Well, if I'm driving, I could play piano or something. You heard it here first. There it is. Tesla with a piano.
0: I agree with Nick. If I was to back a horse, I would back Tesla. But it's a close race. Google make a really interesting point about the iterative approach not ending well. But the counter is equally as strong in adapting people to driverless cars over time, quietly and discreetly tucked away in the Trojan horse of the electric car. I look forward to the day I can sit in a car and learn piano, as it's going to be as memorable as the feeling I had in the Model S when it effortlessly accelerated at warp speed. But it seems the more we think about actually having these cars on our roads, the more complications appear, like creating a line of code that can actually play God.
4: About the trolley dilemma?
0: That's Steve Sammartino, author of The Great Fragmentation, creator of Startup Blog, founder of Sneaky Surf App, and maker of the world's first fully-sized air-powered Lego car.
4: So there's this old um, social experiment where, um, and and you can look it up on Wikipedia, they've got a really good summary of it (laughs) See, whenever in doubt, go to Wikipedia. And it says that um, the trolley dilemma is there's a train going down a lane, right, and And if it goes down, there's a car stuck on the train tracks and the train can't stop, but you're in charge of the tracks and you can put it onto another track, right? And you can make the choice between killing five people in the car or one three-year-old child on the other track, right? So the trolley dilemma has to be programmed into the driverless car. So if we're programming that in, if the driverless car needs to make a choice between killing an old man or a child, what happens? The God algorithm, right? And so, okay, does the manufacturer make that choice? Does the government make that choice?
0: <laughs>
4: when I set up my driverless car with my settings, do I get to make the choice? Right? Do I set a test to see what I would choose without even knowing that I would choose it? And if someone makes that choice, can the family of the person who did get killed then sue the government or the whatever? So, who, who, who becomes responsible, right? So. And this is the interesting thing with technology. The biggest challenge is always the social and cultural elements, not the technology itself, because the technology is usually 10, 20 years ahead of the curve in terms of what can happen. And so I've really been thinking a lot about driverless cars, and I want them more than anything, because I reckon they're awesome. I can just snooze down to the coast. I can snooze on the way back from surfing for three hours. It's going to be awesome. Like, I love it. But I think that these social things we're only just starting to work out now. And the externalities of commerce happen a lot. Like, you know, it's 1850 and we're burning fossil fuels. I'm like, how good is this? Yeah, but we'll be swimming to work in 10 years, right? So like, so you get global, global warming, climate change, and you don't realise until you're deep into it. All right, and I reckon that's going to be really hard for us to get over. There's a lot of other elements in it as well. I think that we haven't quite got our heads around, you know, changing road conditions, you know, in the wet. You know, a lot of people don't know that Google has never taken their car out in the wet. Right, So that, that that changes things a lot. You know, what happens when there's driverless cars and the owner of the driverless car doesn't wash his car as often and so the sensors can't really see the road because their car is just doesn't get washed. <laughs> and there's bird poo on that sensor. Um, and instead of having three forms of redundancy, it only has one layer of redundancy. Um, so there's there's all of these things there that we haven't considered yet because A lab is really different to the real world. And we've all had that in life where you do something in a lab and it doesn't quite work out when you scale. And because cars haven't been done at scale, it's going to be really, really hard for us to see the impact. So I think that the technology is already there. I think that we're going to all have driverless cars, but I don't think we'll be allowed to to let the car drive us. It will be driverless. I think there'll be segments of the road and incremental approach to on this highway between here and here you can do it where there's no people.
0: Steve's theories are correct. Just a month ago, California said no to cars without steering wheels or brakes. They're simply not prepared to let the God algorithm be handed over to anyone except the driver. But that's exactly who Google is saying is the problem. But we can't end on that note. Sammer reckons if driverless cars are made legal, there will be some enormous
4: perks. There's millions of positive things. There's not millions, there's like seven, but there's, there's lots of positive things, right? Well, the first one is, and, and, okay, so let's assume that they're gonna happen, all right? First one is, uh, there's gonna be less crashes, all right? Forget the curiosities of who dies and how and all of that and the, and the trolley dilemma, there's gonna be way less crashes because 99%, used to work on TAC, 99% of accidents are human error, all right? So that's not gonna happen anymore, all right? So um, death machines are not gonna be death machines anymore. The other thing, benefit of driverless cars is who needs insurance? Car's not gonna crash. It's not gonna get stolen, knows where it lives, drives itself back home. You can't steal me, i just drive home to Steve's house. How can my car get stolen, right? Um, R-commerce, I'm sitting in the car, what can I do? Rolling commerce, cool. I'm on the web, I'm surfing, you know? um, Data packages, all of a sudden, people in the car surfing the web, all of a sudden Telstra can say, you know, 10 gig of data for your car every month, awesome. So you can buy data packages. So there's gonna be all of these flow on benefits of driverless cars, house prices will come down. House prices will come down. Why will house prices come down? Because when there's driverless cars that all talk to each other, there's no more traffic jams. When there's no more traffic jams, cars can move quicker, they can drive 200 k's an hour. Um, If cars move quicker and there's no traffic jams, it only takes me 40 minutes to get to Geelong. Instead of paying for an expensive house in Richmond or South Yarra, I live in Geelong. And so there's a greater spread of where people live. All right, so then house prices come down. So there's all of these, other things that happen from it, so uh, yeah, there's a few, there's but I think there'd be there's just a handful, but there'd be more than that. that you, because what happens is the cognitive surplus of people, we can't imagine that they imagine it. Like who knew half the things we're seeing on the web would happen? We just know that there's you know through billion minds out there connected to what's possible, and if we all become entrepreneurs, we invent new possibilities.
0: So here's my wrap-up. There are currently, and will continue to be, a tonne of cool features that automate the driving experience. But the laws in the foreseeable future won't allow a robot to take full control. There are too many social implications of having robots run the roads. Progress will continue, though, and companies such as Tesla will keep iterating and delegate responsibilities from the human driver to the robot driver. And one day, the driving component of going from A to B will be very thin. This is what true innovation feels like. These are the conversations that have to happen when you create technological leaps forward. And thank goodness for people like Elon Musk to force us to have them. So that's it, episode one in the can. Thanks for listening to the first episode of Future Sandwich, the driverless car race. Big shout out to Heath from Richmond Tesla for taking me for a spin. Give him a buzz and take one for a spin yourself. And thanks to Nick Hodges for his chat. You can find him at Nick Hodges, that's Nick, N-I-C, or subscribe to his brilliant newsletter, The Brief. You can find that at Blond3.com. That's the number three. And thanks to Steve Sammartino, you can buy The Great Fragmentation on Amazon. I really recommend it. Find Steve on Twitter also, at Sammartino, S-A-M-M-A-R-T-I-N-O, and follow his blog, startup.wordpress.com, and you can see all the crazy stuff he's done on there. And thanks to Ted for the snippets of the Chris Ermson talk. The link to the full show is also in the show notes at futuresandwich.com. And most importantly, Matt Thompson for editing this like a boss. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to Future Sandwich on iTunes or follow on SoundCloud. Or you can get the episode sent directly to your inbox by signing up at futuresandwich.com. Also, give me a shout on Twitter, at T McCubbin. I'm always up for hearing what you think or any suggestions of people I should talk to who are making the future happen today. Next episode, we talk Bitcoin and have a go at explaining the blockchain.
2: You know, the the, the protocol that says behind Bitcoin, which is is the blockchain, is 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 the most interesting thing I've come across in technology since I came across the internet.
0: My name is Tommy McCubbin, and this has been Episode 1 of Future Sandwich, the podcast that has a sandwich with people making the future happen today.